Hello everyone and welcome back to Talking Tolkien. Today we are going to be discussing chapter 3 of The Two Towers, the Urukai. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Chase. That was very enthusiastic, Chase. I think you're ready to talk about this I, chapter. I feel like I should have an extra U into my name or weird extra syllables and like a, consonants. A, a or something. You said an extra U in your name as if your name already, already has, has a, a U. U. Well, I would already put another a U in there to sound like an orc name, and then I just put an extra U in there at the beginning, okay, and then put a chausu. put an apostrophe or something there to like delegate. I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know what I'm getting at. What if you put the the two U's before and after C, so your name became became like Ukuhase. Ukuhase. That sounds like an that sounds like an orc name or a Navi name. So I feel like it could be either. There we go. Alright, so hopefully you're familiar with the podcast. We are going to start off with Today and Middle-Earth, quickly touch upon the events of last week, then the events of this week in the text, and finally our favorites, both from the text and from our lives. Now today is January 21st, Thursday as always. Katie, you want to take it away on what happened today? Yes, so today, January 21st, the company are resting in Lothlorien. Um, so actually on the 17th was when they came to Karas Galadon, which we remember in the heart of the forest at Lothlorien. So that's where we are right now. Oh, wow. You get to a certain point in January and they're just trucking. They're just going. Yep. <laughs> well, they don't have Gandalf to hold them back anymore. Oh. oh. <laughs> that You're lucky so that I'm not there with you. I would pinch you very hard. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to go there. But all right, well, Chase, you wanna you wanna catch us up to speed with last week's event? Oh yeah, last week we started the two towers, and there was so much running, which is <laughs> continuing going to be a theme of this book so far. Uh, but Aragorn, well, for first off, Boromir died. We lost Boromir, mm-hmm. and they good riddance. They lost track of. That's mean. That is mean. Sorry, I, li- I like. I like. I like. You're like two for two for favorite characters that uh, you're like. Yeah, I'm just being <laughs> insensitive today. I'll stop. Okay. So, but the fellowship is all broken, and they like we can go follow Frodo, or we can go get Merry and Pippin from the orcs, and they're like, let's go get Merry and Pippin because they're in a worse situation, and they run off across Rohan, and then they meet some riders of Rohan, and they're like, we killed everybody over there. And there's a big fiery hole in the ground. And also, we didn't see any halflings. And they just go over there. They also see a dude who's, like, old in a cloak. And that's weird. And that's it. <laughs> and that was the chase. Very odd, yep. <laughs> odd version. we got to, like, animate those at some point. All <laughs> <laughs> right. And as we've been hinting at prior to today's episode, the narrative structure does change quite a bit. And, in fact, these... Last week on moments are going to be a little less useful for a little while because we start off not with Aragorn and Legolas and Gamely, as Kitty once said. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. I'm really mischievous today. And Gimli. Um, but rather we start off with Pippin, who is having a... A dream. Yeah, he's having a dream. He's... Not a good dream. He, he can't find Frodo, but instead of Frodo, all he sees are hundreds of hideous orc faces grinning at him out of the shadows. 
hundreds of hideous arms grasping at him from every side. And then his next thought is, where's Mary? Yeah. So Pippin kind of wakes up from this horrid dream that he that he's had and he realizes that he's been tied up and then realizes that Mary is next to him and that they're surrounded by orcs. And this, by the way, uh, we've kind of, as you said, we the narrative structure changes a little bit at this point. So we are now reversing back in time to basically this almost same moment that we had started off before in, in the first chapter. So we're tracing back our steps and now learning of the fates of Mary and Pippin, what like, actually happened. It's like filling in the gaps from what yeah. Boromir was trying to say. Right. So Pippin kind of remembers what happened, everything what, with the chaos after Boromir had come back to the camp and had told everyone that Frodo had gone off and everyone just splits away. And then Pippin recalls, you know, the, the, the running with Mary and crashing into basically a band of orcs and then Boromir kind of heroically diving in uh, and making the orcs fight him because they had previously just wanted to take the hobbits and run, right? Yeah, he was like, he was oddly like, it seemed like he was kiting them away from... Boromir was bearing, being very noble. Mm-hmm. But like, also... Super noble. Also... Uh, fun to note that just before this Mary had actually managed to slice off several arms and hands of orcs around them right just a lot of limbs getting thrown around everywhere that was my that was my second flag in the text (laughs) my first was just the fact that we've switched narrators Mm -hmm. not really narrators since it's third person but you know focuses Mm -hmm. foci Mm -hmm. sure Chase do you know like a term for that like the focus of a third person narrative I've I've always just say shifting in perspective. That's about it. Well, if anybody out there has like a technical term, please let me know. Cause I'm interested. Um, but no, it says that there was, they were surrounded. Um, they yelled and dozens of other goblins had sprung out of the trees. Mary and he had drawn their swords, but the orcs did not wish to fight and had tried only to lay hold of them. Even when Mary had cut off several of their arms and heads. Good old Mary. <laughs> right. <laughs> Way to go! Like the, the text says, "Good old Mary." Yeah. After he, it's just it's great. <laughs> I imagine like a thumbs up and a pat on the head after that. Like just limbs everywhere. But th- this is the first kind of hint we get at something that's going to recur throughout the chapter, which is that the orcs will not harm Mary and Pippin. Right. Uh, almost as if they have instruction not to harm Mary and Pippin. Now we just did our movie episode last week and I don't recall that or two weeks ago. I don't recall that we discussed this, but you know, at this point in the text, we haven't really met Saruman that much, but in the movie Saruman is explicitly shown giving instructions to the orcs of save the halflings. They have something I want. Don't harm them. Right. So that's one of the, the cases, you know, where, where Peter Jackson had kind of, played with the structure of the narrative a little bit in order to make it more clear to people who are not reading it. Right. Um, so at this point, uh, after Pippin has woke, woke up and kind of recalled the events previously, he has this moment where he laments that Gandalf had convinced Elrond to let him come on wow. this journey, right? Um, a little sad. I got sad. Yeah, yeah, and he, you know, he's he's kind of like, well, I, I'm, I'm no use, and he, he actually he says, I'm just a nuisance, a passenger, a piece of luggage, and so he has this moment where he wishes that he had 
that he hadn't been allowed to come and that he feels completely useless. So we're going to see how that pans out. And it's not even like in a way of like self, like, woe is me. I hate being in this situation. It's more like, it's more like I have ruined this. And that's what made it really sad. Yeah. So we continue on and Pippin kind of realizes that there are several, well, two or three different groups of orcs because they're all speaking in the common tongue because none of them can understand each other and their individual ugly orc languages. Yeah. Yeah. I liked that, that detail. Yeah. I really did too. And so not only can they not understand each other, he also notices that they're constantly arguing uh, about what to do with the prisoners and which road they should take. And well, why can't we just kill them? And now we get this um, information that you had alluded to that we get in in the Fellowship of the Ring movie is the instructions that they have been given. And say, no, no, we have been told to bring the halflings back alive as we found them. So we're not, we shouldn't even search them either because there was a, a suggestion of we should search the hobbits and maybe find something that we can keep and use for ourselves. No, no, we're not supposed to search the halflings, bring them back as, alive and as we found them for questioning. And it's also noted that, I don't know if this is explicitly, but it's like, so we have, we have three factions of orcs. Yes. And... One is from Isengard, yes. and they appear to be the strongest and the most like standout and have the most and they're and they're and they're they're to be bringing back the hobbits to Isengard. And then there's like another branch that seem to be from Sauron. They seem a lot weaker and a little bit more feeble, but are still capable. And it seems to be like that's kind of like the kind of crux of the conflict as well. Well, if we remember too, so the the Isengarders, right? They that Saruman has basically bred. They're different. How those are the Urukai, right? So they're they're different in that they're kind of bigger, broader, stronger, and they also kind of you know what have we seen from orcs in the past? They tend to not uh, well, depending on where they're from, especially. Uh, we, we have the northerners from the mines who have come out and basically want revenge because a lot of their people have been killed recently. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have, right, the, um, his, uh, the, their leader named Grish, Grishnak from Grishnak. Uh, has this faction that's come from Mordor. And then the leader, Ogluk, this faction that's come from Isengard. Those are the, the Urukai. So remember, too, that previously most of the orcs we've encountered don't tend to do a lot of stuff during the daylight. Yep. And which is repeated here as yep. well. So, so one of the Mordor orcs wants to, or I guess the Mordor orcs um, they want to go to a place called Lugburs. Right. Do you know where that is? Where, it sounds like it's in Austria. <laughs> <laughs> well, not quite because it's actually just the black speech for Baradur. Oh, that makes more sense now. Because I was sitting there thinking the same thing John was thinking, uh, but or, or that it was some place outside of Mordor. I didn't quite understand, but that makes. I sense. I really do think it sounds like a place name in German. <laughs> yeah, it does. It could. Yeah. Um, 
another one mentions that there's a winged Nazgul that they could meet up with that would help them. Mm-hmm. But why? Uh, but but why is does that idea immediately get shot down by the Mordor orcs? Oh, you mean like that other winged, or you mean like that Nazgul whose other winged beast was shot out from underneath him? Oh. So we finally get resolution on something that happened a couple chapters back in the Fellowship of the Ring. Yep. But also he says, well, no, we're, we can't use the winged Nazgul because, you know, the, the great eye does not want to reveal that quite yet. That's to be used for purposes in the war to come. I thought it was going to be like, we hate those guys. <laughs> they're, they're completely mean to us. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, so, again, there's this constant bickering between these three factions and kind of the motivations that they have, the orders that they've been given, and uh, a, a struggle for power between them, especially between the faction from Mordor and the faction from Isengard, right? And for the most part, it, they just kind of, for the moment being, settled down slightly. Well, to just keep running and going on the straightest path they can ca- take to Isengard. Well, they have kind of a little fight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it ends up Ugluk, who is the leader Ugluk. of the Uruk High, just straight up beheads some of them. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, there's a kind of a skirmish there and basically asserts that he's in charge and this is what we're going to do. Uh, but how how lucky is is it that one of them, um, his body kind of falls in such a way that his sword cuts Mary a little bit. Pippin. Lucky Mary. Uh, Pippin. Lucky Mary's Pippin. out of it um, at this point. Yeah. No, and, and Pippin realizes that he, he can kind of twist his hands around to that blade and cut the uh, the cord that's, that's binding him. So he manages to do that, and in another strike of, of, of uh, intelligence, he then fakes it and ties himself back up but in a way that looks tight but that he can get out of very very easily right basically kind of re-loops the rope loosely around around his arms and now the orcs continue and uh, to continue on running carrying the hobbits and it's all very uh uncomfortable and cruel the way that they're treated they don't get to eat anything but they but they give him this like liquor that he says, like, burns him, but, like, fills him, like, with energy of sorts? Well, yeah, so it's at this point where Weirdly they, revitalizes him. Well, they, they tell him, you, you need to use your feet now. So they actually cut cut the bonds oh, right. from their yeah, feet yeah, yeah. and tell him to stand up. And he's so weak because, again, they haven't eaten in quite a while. And uh, they're, they're banged up pretty well. And he kind of falls over. And, yeah, then they give him this, quote-unquote, orc medicine, right? Medicine. And it's this... Um, liquor sort of thing that burns as it goes down and it's it's described as being warming you in in your body but not really you know we've had before this effect from food is particularly when we've been dining with the elves where food and drink has had this kind of warming effect on your entire being kind of right Mm -hmm. so this what the orcs are forcing down their throats is basically like puts a fire in your belly but not so it's fireball. I'm imagining it's just Not like really Evan is. Williams or another cheap, it's fireball. cheap whiskey. Yeah, that you really don't want to drink. <laughs> <laughs> and then also at this point, oh, of course, m- you know, Mary w- wakes up and is given the same treatment as well. And I kind of really like his cheerful. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's making jokes. <laughs> just making jokes. Yeah. Um, 
He said, but also says there's like a cut on his forehead, and one of the one of the orcs pulls out a little box and like tends to him with some medicine. Yeah, yeah put some gunk on it. But like again, put some grody stuff on his head. But again, it's orc medicine, right? So I can't imagine that it would be all that beneficial. I mean, it's ba- they're you know they're keeping them alive. Yeah, right? but. I mean, orcs have, have managed to, imagine. to orcs have managed to stick around for way too long. So I mean, <laughs> there must be something to it, <laughs> but not necessarily medicine that a hobbit would desire. To be fair, they were once elves, so <laughs> so they continue down this ravine and finally reach the grass, and they're again the Urukai are. And, and Ugluk, their leader, say they're going to continue running in the sunlight, even the northerners, whether you like it or not. And Pippin at this moment is concerned that Aragorn, even Aragorn, is not going to be able to track them were he to be following them even, because he's not even sure, you know, are, are, are the others going to be following us or would they have taken off after Frodo? Frodo is the more important. So he is worried because these orcs are tramping, you know, and they have iron-clad feet, right? So even if you could see a hobbit footprint, it's going to be trampled over and covered. So now Pippin has this great idea. And then there's there's kind of mist everywhere to, to either side of them, and the grass is wet, and Pippin has this idea to jump uh, out of the line and just kind of sprawl out on the grass. So he's made like an in- yeah. indent of himself, right? He made a Pippin angel. Yeah, he made a Pippin angel in, in the grass. Uh, and of course, he, there's no way he's going to be able to escape because orcs come after him. But at least he can leave a mark on the ground that maybe Aragorn could find. And additionally, p- pulls off his brooch, the leaf brooch that was hanging on to his um, elf cloak thing. Yep. Knocks that off and leaves that behind. Hoping and hopes says, that it was... He even thinks, like, I don't know why I did it. You know, if the others have escaped, they'll probably go with Frodo. That This brooch will probably never be found by anyone ever. Right. And it is Middle Earth, so that's a possibility as well. <laughs> yeah, what, what are the chances that anyone will ever find this? But on the off chance that the others are following us, maybe, hopefully they will. Here's a clue. So they sort of... The hobbits sort of continue to float in and out of consciousness along this whole uh, ordeal as this journey continues, and it's miserable. And again, you know, the orcs kind of sling them cru- cruelly over their backs. Uh, I mean, it's almost like run. jump cuts in a way. Like mm-hmm. the, it, this, 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 this chapter goes by really quickly in time, and then like they get to a point where they're kind like somebody protests, they kind of rest for a while. Mm-hmm. And he gets thrown some gray bread and some nasty flesh. And he eats the bread, but he has a thought he doesn't want to eat that. He's, he doesn't know where that came from. He's not quite so desperate to want to eat uh, this raw but dried, weird piece of meat that an orc has thrown at him. Yeah. What 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 is so, the point that you have to get to to be desperate enough to eat that? Uh, yeah. And at another point... Um, like a scout comes back and says like the way is clear i saw one man on horse but that's it <laughs> why didn't and you murder that dude you should have killed yeah, Ugluk is like stupid now the now the riders of rohan are gonna come and they be fierce and they're gonna mess stuff up for us so they again mention that 
at the, the Nazgul at this point. And I kind of found this interesting. So Grish, Grishnok replies, after, so after they talk about the Nazgul, Grishnok says the Nazgul are the apple of the great eye. And it's at this point that he's saying they're saving the winged Nazgul for the war. Like, so e- even at this point, we, we oh, can't yeah. cross the river. If, that, if we had an, the winged Nazgul, we could. Well, no, because the, wing, the winged Nazgul are, are being saved for later. And they're the apple of the great eye, which I thought is such a strange um, expression for an orc Yeah, to I use. thought that was too. I, I mean, I've always felt like the they've always had a sense of intelligence. And even so much to, like, take a turn of phrase like that and then just, like... You know, it's weird. It was a weird moment. Like I even noted it too. It's like, all right, it's it's an odd thing to 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 hear from an orc and seeding it within like weird foreshadowing too of the future. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyway, they continue on to the forest, and as we said before, he really should have killed that scout because now we see horsemen far in the distance, behind them, and they're they're way behind, but they are gaining on the orcs, right? It's just, it's just great, like, almost, like, it reminds me of, like, old westerns where it's the situation where one group is running, but there's another group that are chasing them, but they're hours behind them, but they can still have to see them and deal with them. Mm-hmm. It's just so great. Well, but in this case, the horsemen have some pretty good archers with them who are able to pick off one by one a couple of the stragglers. And that's when, is that when Perry, Pepin starts getting, like, freaked out? Like, he's pretty certain that they won't get picked out if... Yeah, so Pippin sees see yeah, he sees the riders and he sees that they're kind of closing in on them and as you said picking off the stragglers that are uh, along the outsides and they're kind of driving the orcs toward the river. And it's at this point that Pippin again wishes that he knew more about Rohan. He says, "Oh, I wish I had spent my time in Rivendell studying." <laughs> it's just kind of oh, like God, yeah. Hindsight he... is 2020 for Pippin at this yeah. at this time. Um, you know, he, he never had imagined being separated from the rest of the company. But now that he is, he says, I, I don't know anything. And again, I feel useless. This isn't a pony ride in May. No, this is not a pony <laughs> ride in May. Um, and he hopes, he, ho- he, he doesn't even know anything about the Rohan men. He doesn't know if they know what hobbits are. So he doesn't know, will they kill us too? Um, and sees that they're very skilled with bow and arrow. So this is a real danger, right? So by nightfall, there are only about 200 orcs remaining, and they've all been surrounded by the riders uh, right kind of near the edge of Fangorn Forest. That's when, like, a bunch of them run off. Yeah. Yeah, like, a bunch of them just, like, straight up run off away from the group, and then they're, like, and, like, Ogook, Ogook, sorry, what was his name again? Ugluck or Ugluck yeah. basically Ugluck. yells back at them of like you're gonna give up your your say in this like reward that easily and is like you know yeah whatever go just leave whatever don't care don't care about you guys. Well, and the the so they're surrounding the the riders are also surrounding the orcs at this point and Ugluck kind of goes to investigate what's happening at the front because the riders have crept up and managed to kill several orcs at the front of this line. And so he tells uh, one of his... Uh, Lieutenants? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what Second words in command. Yeah, uh, to, to guard the hobbits. And tells them, 
you know, again, reminds them not to kill the hobbits unless the white skins, right, break through. And so now Merry and Pippin are together again. They've been separated quite a bit for most of this journey. So now they're kind of set together and their legs are tied up. And it's at this point they're trying to figure out a way to escape. Uh, it's nightfall now as well, and it appears that the riders are not a- attacking, really, until morning. So, the... Uh, yeah, so it's at this point the, the Isengard guards that had been set with Merry and Pippin kind of leave with Ugluk to go and investigate. And now we have just just when they seemed to have this opportunity to to try to escape who comes up behind them though but Grisham Sauron <laughs> John Grisham what's his name again good lord <laughs> both of those answers odd thomas both of those answers were weird grishnak grishnak <laughs> was the, the the leader of the orcs from mordor right and he's just like i don't care about you guys i will search out like or it was something along the lines of like he basically says, like, I know either you guys do have something or you don't have something. Well, first all he does is just kind of start pawing on Oh, yeah, he them. starts pawing at yeah. them. Right? And, and Pippin figures out, he's like, oh, he knows about the ring and thinks I have it. Yeah. And there's also a thing that Grishnok says at this point that I want to point out. He says, little people should not meddle in affairs that are too big for them. Theme of the book again, rearing its ugly head. Yeah, but in a very, very, a very weird way, a very nasty way, right? The you you hear so there's from from one perspective we could say you know like oh it's 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 nice and idyllic that the hobbits have managed to exist like away from all of this kind of stuff for so long, and but that's not necessarily a little people have no point in 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 this kind of big world right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's the connotation we get from Grishnok so it's just a very different you, you know you get the flip side of that yeah yeah what we what we had before yeah but so yeah Pippin realizes that Grishnok must know about the ring and it's at this point he decides he and Mary decide to use this to their advantage and they're going to try to trick him basically so Pippin starts making sounds, little little golem golem noises in his throat. I have to admit that that I read that over this part a few times because that confused me. I didn't quite understand why if if he was gonna trick them or trick him, he went to the golem sounds. Like something about that. Like I was like, okay. Well, Grishnak quite... would would know about golem. Yeah, yeah. That's what I ended up assuming. Is I just went down to like, well, I guess he's like. Acting like this fig, acting like this figure that he already knows about, to throw him off the trail just slightly. That's what I, I gathered. I guess. Well, he's trying to use what information he thinks the other person would have to steam like he's a plausible candidate, mm-hmm. right? But then he says, like, I know what you're looking for, and you're not going to find it that easily. It's it's tricky, and it's hi- I can hide it. And basically tells him, you know. If you want what you're looking for, you're going to have to untie us. Yeah, he says unbind our legs. And I, I found this really interesting because Krishnak then like leads them away from everybody else. Yeah, yeah. That was And unbinds them. 
And here, the the power of the ring is working on somebody, even though like the ring isn't present. Mm-hmm. Right? I guess it's just like the lust of the ring. So I don't know if like necessarily the ring itself is actually doing any work, and I w- I would say that it's not. But still, like the concept of it is. Well, the over the the domination of Sauron. It's like we've got a faction that's being led by Saruman and a faction being led by Sauron. I imagine that the domination of Sauron is overwhelming to this dude in such a way that it's like, I would rather, if you do have this thing, I'm taking it back to Sauron, not Saruman. Who cares about whatever Saruman's going to bring? And that being a overwhelming factor there. Um, and indeed, you know, Mary kind of cottons on to what, what Pippin's doing, really. And, you know, Grishnak is kind of... T- taunting them in response to that and mary says you know if if we do go back to isengard who do you think is going to be rewarded not you saruman is going to take everything for himself so here's your chance if you want uh what we have again pretending that they have the ring um let's make a deal now and it's, it's at this point that Grishnak kind of attempts to take the hobbits away with him, right? Mm-hmm. And kind of, like, oh, like grabs some, them up in his arms. It's just a great, like, because, like, it even, like, mentions that he's, like, terrifyingly strong. Like, it doesn't, yeah. he, and I imagine this guy is a little bit smaller. And then, like, he picks him up and, like, wraps, and it's, like, almost surprising how strong this guy is. And, like, has him in both of his arms. Like, clamped yeah. by his sides. Yeah. And so it's, like, like tromping along right, right towards the forest. And then guess what happens? Yep. Comes face to face with a rider. And Grishnak at this point, like, drops the hobbits, draws his sword, and then immediately is, like, hit in the hand with an arrow. Yep. And, you know, lets out a wail. And the rider spears him, and so we see Grishnak fall now. And... And and that's the time the riders have gone around the other gotten around the other section of orcs and are now just slaughtering them right it's just a full-out massacre and mary and pippin are like well at least hopefully the riders didn't see us because i imagine they're gonna be shooting at anything they see first uh, on first sight so i mean and and the way they felt fell to it they talked about like mentioning they're outside the ring and the cloaks may have covered them slightly right and there is even a moment so the the rider appears not to see them because again they're covered with these cloaks but the horse appears to at least sense them because it jumped Mm -hmm. over them i really Mm -hmm. i really liked that touch but yeah but yeah so basically this circle where with of the riders has moved and mary and pippin are now outside of the circle and able to escape and they pretty much stay still for a little while and try to recuperate, try to regain re- some strength. Yeah, and and Mary has some Lambus bread, but it's all crumbled up. Mm-hmm. And Pippin reveals that he's not, you know, he's not actually tied up at his arms and is able to like pull it out. And they get some strength back before they start kind of slowly crawling towards the forest. Right. Um, and then I, it's it's this kind of takes you out but also again makes you appreciate hobbits so much because they 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 crawl away as as far as they can and then they're to a point where they can stand up and walk and they're just walking side by side by the river and talking in hobbit fashion yep. as hobbits do <laughs> and they seem kind of optimistic right and you know mary is complimenting pippin on you know what all of his actions today and believes that he'll have a whole chapter in mr bilbo's book yeah (laughs) which which is really great because again at the beginning of this chapter we had this really sad moment where pippin is incredibly disheartened and feels that he's useless right and now 
uh, we have the exact contrary of that. And Pippin Woof. And Mary. That, that was terrible. All right. <laughs> well, good thing that's over. Kind of bad almost attitude to it. Huh? I mean, because they're like, even like, I feel like what they're having this conversation, they're looking at an ugly look gets like just murdered off to the side too <laughs> while they're just like the writers sit around until morning and rest and then just burn all the bodies and spread the ashes it's super yeah well weird. They, i mean it says that they like see a sizable contingency that managed to kind of break away and is running towards the forest so they run deep into the forest um and they see said contingency managed to kill three writers mm-hmm. and but so and they also see, yeah, they see Ugluk and turn and run, and what they don't see is Ugluk being killed by Eomer. Um, and they they also don't see the riders hunting down the rest of the orcs in the field, right? Yeah. Um, because they've gone deeper into this forest that is really thick. Yeah. Like, the descriptions of this forest already are just... And ancient and described as kind of old beyond measure. Yeah, like super crazy. So, yeah, so there we have Merry and Pippin have managed to escape and have set off into Fangorn, which, again, they had said, you know, Caliborn told us not to go here, but given the alternative of this. Yeah. Um, this battle, I think we're going to we're going to chance it. And then it ends. Yep. That's it. That's it with that chapter. I mean, that was a that was an action packed, very quick feeling chapter. Mm-hmm. It's not even the shortest chapter so far as book, but it felt really fast. <laughs> well, and I think that's, I think that's really a, a mark of kind of good, good, good writing here because for, I feel like for the hobbits too, it would feel fast again, kind of going in and out of consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. And events just kind of happening all around them, together yeah. and happen, yeah, right after one another. All right, what are your favorite parts? Mine is at the very beginning where it like it says Mary chopped off a lot of orcs hands and heads. Yay Mary. <laughs> <laughs> um that just kind of came out of nowhere for me. I was just like I was reading this like, "All right, we're we're at this point now." <laughs> I think in general I really liked that there was a lot of growth for Pippin in this chapter, but specifically there was a moment I, I really liked again the descriptions of the riders of Rohan that we get because we get now this from Pippin's point of view and the kind of the first moment he sees them he sees them off in the distance and I really liked the description that it was given that the riders were gaining on them like a tide over the flats on yeah. folk straying in a quicksand yeah which was really was cool great. and then again we had really neat descriptions of like the right their their blonde hair and the and their Helms gleaming and all that. Uh, so I really liked that. Morning light on spears again. Yeah, and morning stuff like light that. on spears. That's always great. I don't know what my favorite part was. I mean, honestly, I feel like if there's anything that stuck out to me, it it, it had to be the part, like, and, I, and it probably because at first I was confused, but then I kind of was getting it where Pippin was trying to act like he was the one who had the ring mm-hmm. and doing all that stuff that 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 like trying to distract and like throw off because Sauron and Saruman because another mo- moment that is referenced in this is Sauron and Saruman don't know that they've lost this group yet mm-hmm. or even if they know that they even got them mm-hmm. so it's well but it of, does say that like people can see the smoke oh yeah that's like the yeah. very last it's almost like the very last 
sentence of this chapter. And so it's like this nice moment where I feel like in a way like for for I wouldn't say for I mean it feels like they're like a step ahead. I don't know. I feel like this book has always been like a seeming like when they're a step ahead, they're actually like just like half a step ahead and not really <laughs> anywhere ahead at all and it's going to get really bad here pretty quickly. So I don't know. I just feel like they're I like that part mm-hmm. where he's tricking them, trying to distract him. He's doing his part for the war effort in a way. Well, and the other thing about that, too, is it's another moment where we've had previously in these stories where people use their wits against their opponents, right? Yes. Most famously, the riddle game, right, and The Hobbit. But, you know, again and again, um, this is one of my favorite things to come up when someone uses wit and strategy against an opponent who's much more powerful maybe physically than 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 the character may be but yeah it was a great moment all right well i don't know that this is really a favorite thing if anything it's the opposite of a favorite thing but as of today we when we were recording this and the past couple of days both david bowie and alan rickman have passed away yeah. Both at the age. And that's of, been both at the age really of sad. Yeah. I'm sorry, Chase. Sorry, I was about to say uh, both at the age of 69 and from yeah, cancer. Yeah, at the age of 69. That that's been really sad, but at the same time, like it's been really n- nice to see people reminisce about these two. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, you know, like people kind of make fun of people who've passed away, and I haven't really seen that happen for either one of these these celebrities. Um. Uh, the other day, I saw somebody walking around with the Ziggy Stardust makeup on, and I told her I liked it, and she gave me a <laughs> high five. Like I don't know, like it just seems like people are kind of coming together to commemorate these, especially because at least for me, they don't feel, they, you know, like we've uh, b- by this point in my life, I've lived through the death of a lot of, you know, sort of a icons lot of very of important your, people. Yeah. yeah, a lot of icons, but these two both seem very different to me in a way mm-hmm. so i mean i have to be honest like it hasn't hit me yet it hasn't sunk in i'm kind of still in that moment of like because i wasn't i mean in many ways um uh like leonard nimoy passing away didn't <laughs> whoops leonard nimoy didn't quite hit me as hard as it did a lot because i've been mentally prepared for leonard nimoy passing away for about five years at that point mm-hmm. like it still affected me but it was like I was he was he seemed pretty sick and same thing went with um, Christopher Lee last year, but then just hearing about like David Bowie and David Bowie being very quiet about all this and the same goes for Alan Rickman yeah and then just kind of like waking up this morning and you know doing my regular morning routine making coffee making oatmeal and then like looking at my phone and just checking the news and it's like checking my news about the Blue Jays getting like this this player and then right below it it says like Alan Rickman down I was like. What? Yeah. It, it, uh, no. Um, that hasn't happened. You know. Yeah, it, I mm-hmm. I feel like it, it's always in, especially in this day and age, the way that we get our news is often you know it, 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 well some of us you know if you have like a a news alert on your on your mm-hmm. phones or whatever, but often people find find out about this stuff on social media too, and I always find that it's it just seems extra shocking. That you know, the first thing you do in the morning, you go and like check your news or whatever, and yeah, just yeah. Well, and then at the same time, you know, it was like people, 
like commenting about like yeah. losing Alan Rickman, but also trying to comment about the Academy Awards. In fact, it, and I was guilty of it too, which was like I was trying to do both like commentary on like man, we lost this like th- acting icon, and then also like I want to comment on the Academy Awards, and like it was just like a weird like. It's like this, like being pulled in like two different directions at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like I, it didn't really sink in until like later this afternoon. And I was like, man, one of my favorite actors passed away pretty suddenly for me. Yeah. But you know, to that end, I watched uh, Galaxy Quest today, and I adore that movie. I I just love that movie. So you know, it's nice to. Be able to celebrate somebody rather than mourn them. By Grapthar's hammer, you shall be avenged. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good in that movie. What's so interesting good. is I've thought of his character from Dogma for the most part. Because that's, I, I feel like, yep. one of the first few performances I'd seen from besides Die Hard. But Dogma's one of my favorite characters of his, Die Hard. Uh, I really loved him in Sense and Sensibility. I've always liked, because uh, this is a, I think this is an underrated movie. I've always liked him. I like the movie Bottle Shock mm-hmm. uh, with him in it. Uh, it's not a great movie, but he's very good in it, and I always recommend that movie to people. Now I want to watch A Little Chaos, that movie he directed about like a female gardener who designed a garden at Versailles. Oh, that sounds yeah. interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like watching the trailer for that movie, you're like, what is this going to be? It just it looks very strange. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I want to watch it now. Anyway, also with with regards to David Bowie, man, here is such a great song. I've always been partial to the man who sold the world and uh, Starman. Starman is one of my favorites. Space Oddity is has always well. Been. So interestingly, Spotify like released their listening data for David Bowie, um, and you can watch like immediately when the news hits and like yeah. this place yeah. just start to spike up. Yeah. And I assumed that Space Oddity would be the number one. And like that's the song that I immediately listened to. But actually the number one song listened to after he passed was Heroes. That's why I brought it up. And mm-hmm. I had actually listened to Heroes in oh. probably four or five years. Heroes um, is great. So, so I listened to it again and I was like, man, this is just such a, a you know, like a brilliantly executed song. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, here's to the passage of time, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and how cruel it is. I mean, yeah. Oh, I do have one <laughs> record. So I, yeah, I, I, I was struggling to come up with like a quote-unquote favorite moment of the week, right? Because this has been such a particularly hard week to be a person, I think. Um, but. I I also I've been uh, binge watching recently. There's this dystopian sci-fi show that I've watched that was it it airs on no 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 it airs on the on the CW. It's called The Hundred, and it's (gasps) about these kids that get sent down to Earth a hundred years after it's. been kind of decimated by nuclear apocalypse and anyway but so i mean the show is like it's really interesting because it's it it, it does a lot of kind of pushing moral boundaries sort of stuff um some sometimes i've heard that it has like really 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 good queer representation it does yeah it does it also has great representation of people of color um and it's never like made a spectacle in the show because it's just kind of accepted like this is the way that life is but anyway um you know the show itself uh, 
every now and then you know some of the writing's a little a, a little forced and uh, some some of the sci-fi is a little questionable but it's a it's a pretty solid show um and i so i've been binge watching it and actually the it the season three premieres um today january 21st uh so i don't know that's been fun that's funny that was a favorite thing for the week from ashley from the crimson king cast oh, actually because really? she <laughs> just went through that as well and is going to be why and she's excited for the next season too so mm. i am racking my brain <laughs> And the only thing thing. I can think of is uh, nothing. I (laughs) I don't, I actually honestly don't have anything. This is like, I've just been doing the same things as usual. I meant to watch a bunch of stuff this week and just didn't ended up watching Batman forever for some reason to remind myself how much of a garbage movie that is compared to, I have a soft spot for Batman and Robin. It's terrible, but it goes so out there and they're (laughs) playing it and everybody in the movie is so damn like hamming it up that it's amazing but I tried watching Batman Forever with that same kind of mindset and that movie's just terrible the movie's terrible mm-hmm. the only one good in it is Todd Blaine Jones he's always having fun yeah for me I guess I would just say Parks and Rec season 4 which is nothing new by, <laughs> by any stretch but I usually go back and forth between like binging on 30 Rock, Avenging on Kimmy Schmidt, Avenging on Broad City, and Arrested and Development. So, uh, yeah, Arrested Development. So now it's it's Parks and Rec's time. Um, but rather than start at the beginning, because you know any any diehard Parks and Rec fan will admit that you don't really need to start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, I started with the little Sebastian episode, <laughs> and so you know that's halfway through season three, and then you get the memorial concert, which is the finale of season three, which is great. And then you get season four, which is truly just a masterpiece of American television because you get so many hilarious moments like when Leslie's announcing her campaign relaunch and they book the ice rink <laughs> and they're <laughs> shuffling along mm-hmm. the ice. So good. You know? So good. Get up on your feet. Um, to so many like beautifully heart wrenching moments where between Leslie and Ben where they decide they have to break up and. Ben does it by giving her what you think is going to be jewelry, but it's the Nope 2012 campaign yeah. button in like a jewelry box. Like cry so every time. <laughs> or when they when they make out in the park, the mini park, and decide that they're just going to face the consequences. Like it has so many he- truly hilarious moments and so many incredibly sad or affecting, very human, moving moments too. Mm-hmm. Um, season four is really what makes that show so special, I think. Man, that show gets compared to a lot of things, but man, when that show was like bad, it never was like worse than any other show. Like I never felt like it got it sunk below. Like when when I didn't like Thirty Rock, I felt like it never sank below that. Like mm-hmm. it was, it's always been great, and then the highs were always super high. Mm-hmm. So that's a great show. I've been also binge watching X Files because this weekend is the return. Oh, uh, that's right. Yeah. The these. I still stand. That's the best TV. Great. That's that's the best TV intro ever. But I am biased. It's it's pretty great. Okay, that sounded real. That sounded like it was done by geese or something. Really scary. Honk, 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 honk. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this week I'm going to create a, 
uh, a new version of the X-Files theme based on sampling geese hawks. And I'll play it for you next week. No, I'm not. It's not going to happen. All right. Thanks, everyone. Uh, anything else to add, you two? We're in the two towers now. Nope. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Katie, you want to thank our oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. patrons? Um, shoot. I just left. Hold on. I have to. I have a list. We that got I don't remember. Forget anybody's name. Also, apparently, I just love the weird brief talking crap at each other about baseball teams. That was <laughs> that was that was weird. Is that going to be a thing? Oh no! Uh, baseball season is going to be nuts. Baseball season is going to be great, and I'm going to wear my Tigers jersey every day. And you're just going to have to deal. I'm going to have it. to buy something with the Blue Jays on it because I don't own anything from any team. But yes, thank you, uh, as always, to our Patreon supporters for helping us out. Uh, thank you, Benjamin, John, Macy, Mike Williams, Avon McMaster, Micah, and Jacob Verma. And thank you to the New York Yankees for being the most <laughs> successful sports team in the history of professional sport. And thank you to the Detroit Tigers for being better for than the Yankees. Second. Thank you to the Blue Jays for just being awesome. For being Canadian. For being Canadian, yeah. I mean, there you go. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. I am Juwak. No, you see, I can't. Okay, no, I'm, don't, I'm don't do I that. I can't Urukai no. my name. No. So who are you? Me? He's forgotten. Oh, no. I said I'm John, didn't I? <laughs> no, you didn't. No, you, you didn't. Did. You said a bunch of syllables. Like, they were just uh, Then I thought I said I'm John. Let's try that well, again. if I haven't said I'm John, I've now said it like five times. I'm Katie. So, I'm John. I'm Chase. Huh? <laughs> And the person who's not talking for some reason is Uru Katie. <laughs> I said we'll see my you next name. week. You didn't listen to me. You never listened to me. I'm John Grisham. Oh, you said you're. Okay, now I'm just really losing it. You, I need to yeah, go. Yeah, you need to go to bed. Um. Wow, I'm sorry. Join us next week for the Two Towers Chapter Four. Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you're an iTunes subscriber and you like what you hear, please be sure to give us a rating and review. We also have a Patreon account where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help us grow our podcast and help with expenses such as microphones and server space. Every little bit is appreciated. <laughs>